Hello and welcome to today's episode of Of Course You Did. My name is Brooke and I am the host of this podcast. I'm really excited to share this one with you today. It is with my amazing friend, Katie. Katie and I met a long time ago. I won't go into the details now because we talk about it in the podcast, but Katie is an expert in human design. If there is ever anyone who knows everything about human design, it's Katie. If I ever have questions, I go to her. She is always sharing so much knowledge around human design. And one of the things I love the most about the way Katie shares human design is her passion and her love of human design always shines through. I love seeing how excited she is to talk about it. And in the podcast, we kind of talk about her journey with human design. And now she actually has a a course called HD School where you can learn the whole human design system. So again, it's one of those things that's in the podcast. I'm not going to go into too much detail for you. This is not going to be a basics of human design. There is plenty of stuff out there for that. Uh, Katie has a YouTube video that you can watch as well, which I will link if you want to learn the basics of human design. We kind of briefly gloss over it, but I wanted to go into a bit more detail in this episode, just about some certain things that are really important, but I wanted to go into more detail about them. So most of the stuff that Katie answered was in terms of like my design, which is a manifesting generator. So we talked about that. And then I asked her to like choose one of the other designs and give her thoughts on what that specific thing meant for that type as well. I'm going to leave it here because this is a longer episode. Thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you being here. I'm really, really, really excited to share this with you. Let me know what you think. You can head on over to my Instagram, which is at brookealexander.co and let me know what you think of this episode, what your thoughts are on human design. I'm actually in, I joined Katie's HD school when she launched it last year, but I have yet to had a chance to dive in because I have been super busy with everything Created Coach. As you know, you might not know, Created Coach, which is the online certification program that I have, which teaches you NLP, hypnosis, time techniques, EFT, and life and success coaching. We switched everything from an in-person to an online training. So I've been super busy creating all of that. And now it's open enrollment as well, which means we constantly have new students joining, which is really exciting. So if you want to learn more about that for yourself, also you can head to createdmindacademy.com. Everything is there for you. But what I was really saying here is head over to my Instagram. Let me know what you think. Head over to Katie's Instagram, share on your Instagram stories that you're listening so that I can chat with you and um, we can chat all things human design. Okay. Enjoy this episode. Hi, everyone. Welcome to today's episode. I'm super excited to be here with Katie. Katie is a very long, we've been friends since what, 2017? 18? 17? Is that when? It, 18. 18? 18. Almost so three years. Is that almost three years? 
Wow. That's wild. So Katie and I have been friends for a really long time. We met at our very first NLP training that we did together and it was love (laughs) at first sight. And um, I'm really excited to have Katie on the podcast because Katie is amazing at human design. Uh, I talk about Katie all the time. I talk about her on my Instagram. I talk about her with my students because she's the most knowledgeable person I know when it comes to human design. So anyway, I could go on for a really long time, but thank you for being on the podcast, Katie. Thanks for having me here. I'm so grateful to have you and, you know, as a friend and part of my journey. So always happy to chat. I know. Let's talk about that. Let's start about our journeys and let's go back in time to probably like what would you say exactly a year ago? Like I don't know what the I think exact it was like June state was. Okay, so we're almost almost like just over a year now um because it's June 16th yeah. or something whatever it is when we're recording this. Uh so to that day, one year and almost two weeks ago, whatever it is, that we were sitting in the park in Trinity Bellwoods and it was a warm, sunny day and we were sitting at the picnic table. And that was, like we've both said before, a pivotal moment for both of us because that was where HD school was born. That was where we had conversations where we were both really frustrated with what we were experiencing. For me, I had just started an entire training program that was supposed to be an in-person training program. And then COVID happened and I couldn't see how I was still going to make it work. And I was in this place of not knowing what to do. And I I don't want to talk for you, but where are you at? Yeah, I was just, so I was at this place of really wanting to create an online course because I was at that point working with clients, doing readings one-on-one and doing coaching and I liked it, but I really enjoyed teaching, but I had this whole idea of like, who am I to teach this? And like, there's other courses that are available. Like, I don't need to do this. People can learn this from other places. Um, So yeah, I was just kind of like, like, you know, I think to, or I think June was like my I mean, granted, this was the beginning of June. We had this conversation, but June was like my worst month in business. And it just, yeah, I didn't feel like I was excited. I wasn't productive. It was just a frustrating time. Mm-hmm. And we both had this kind of like moment together where we were just like, fuck yeah. this. And I mean, I don't know. I think we were just talking about, and we were like, we have to do things entirely mm-hmm. differently. We have to, and I know for me, I was like, I've just got to do things entirely different for me. And this was the point where I realized like I needed to be who I wanted to be, change things so drastically for me that the the universe, reality, whatever, had no choice but to catch up to me and who I was being. And so we hatched the plan together on like, we were just going to do things differently. We were going to, what was it? Wake up at 6am. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I wish I still had the note. I think I deleted it, but we, oh my <laughs> oh, gosh, I if might you have it, have you it. have to send it to me. Um, but we made this like whole brainstorming list of all the things we were going to do where it's like, we believe so much in the power of like the mind, obviously you teaching NLP. And it's like, I believe very much in like the woo with human design and like, you know, the world of energy and all of that. And so it's like, we know all this stuff. We believe all this stuff. 
So we're just going to go all in because what's work or what we're doing now isn't working. We're not getting the results. We don't really feel great with everything that's happening. And, you know, COVID was still pretty new to the world. So that was like a shock in everyone's system for sure. Um, but it's like, let's just do an experiment for the month of June. We're just going to do all of these things. And yeah, like wake up at 6am. I think we had, I know for me, I would like wake up every morning at six. I go for a walk. I would meditate. I would do affirmations. I would, I think I did like tapping and journaling and um, I don't know, exercise. Like I can't remember all of the things, but it was like all these like mindset and like manifestation kind of things where it's like, let's just do these. And it's like, there has to be a change created. If we go all in with this, like there has to be, there's no way that the universe is just going to, our, our universe is just going to stay the same if we like disrupt it to this degree. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think disrupt is a good word there. Cause that's what I felt like I was doing. We were doing all those things. I struggled to wake up. I think I actually did better. Like, I remember the first day. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. The first day I messaged you and I was like, it's seven 30. I woke up at seven 30 and you were like, um, you have a long way to go. Mornings have just been always Damn. a challenge for me, but, and we were like voice noting each other, our, like, what was it? Like the things yeah. that we were manifested, manifesting as though yeah. they already happened like what we're grateful for having happened that day. Um, But things shifted. It worked. And I remember on that day, this was also the day that like the idea for HD school kind of came together. And um, I guess that was like. Yeah. And I remember what was so powerful to me. And I like quote this to people all the time um, when I was like, no, like I shouldn't do this or I can't do this because, you know, this other person has it. And you were like, yeah, but I don't want to learn from this like random person in Arizona. I want to learn from you. And I was like, oh, like it was such a, I don't know, reality rearranging thing. And it's something that is so clear to me with the work I do in human design that we're all designed differently energetically. And so even though I might connect to this random person in Arizona that teaches human design, you might not, you might connect with me. And so when they're teaching, you're like, I don't get it. It doesn't really make sense. I don't understand. I'm not interested. I don't want to pay them. But then you come across me and it's like, oh my God, everything you say makes sense. I like your energy. I'm excited. And I think that's the truth for everybody. Like we all have our own people that we connect with, but yeah, that was like, that was the um, I don't know, catalyst that I needed to be like, okay, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to put HD school together. I'm going to create this thing that I want to create. And like, let's just see how it goes. Um, and it went really well. <laughs> it did. So let's, for anyone who doesn't know, can you tell them what HD school is? Just Yeah. Like so it's designed to be a 16 week online course that teaches you the human design system and you have access to the content. So you don't have to get through it in 16 weeks, but to give you some contrast, like when I was first learning human design, the program that I went through was designed to take like, I think three or four years. And I went through that in about a year. Cause I was just like, I was so hungry for it. And it drove me a little bit insane because there was so much repetition and like so much sort of like side talk because the program I learned was a live program that was, had been recorded. So it wasn't live when I was learning it, but it was like, Oh, how was your weekend? And like, Oh, we have this thing coming up. And I'm like, come on, I am hungry for this stuff. Let's get through it. I don't want to listen to all this random stuff. I don't want to listen to you repeat the stuff from last week. I just like want to get to the meat of it. So that was really my vision for HG school was something that was like really easy, really um, in depth, but efficient and easy to navigate and easy to learn. And in a way that was a little bit more like positive and upbeat because sometimes human design can not always feel that way. 
Mm-hmm. I am so glad that, like, that you did this, that you created HD School. I'm so glad that we had that day. I'm so glad I gave you that <laughs> advice because I need to give myself that advice a lot of the do. time. So, yeah, honestly. So, I'm I'm glad that um, we did that. We had that day. It was life changing for both of that both of us. And this is a practice that I realized that it worked back then. And this is something that I still do. I still, when I'm going through something in my life, when I'm like, okay, what I'm doing isn't what I want to be doing, or it's not quite working the way I want it to work. I, or I feel like I'm struggling with something. I still do that same thing. I'm like, okay, I need to change reality. I need to shift things and become, I I just need to shift things so drastically that the universe has no chance to, no choice, but to catch up, no choice, but to come and match me where I'm at. Um, so I love that. I love that story. And yeah. And I mean, for you, like, cause I think you changed pretty quickly as well, where I can't remember when it was, but I know that you launched your online certification before I launched HD school. Cause I launched in August, like the end of August. And when did you do your launch that summer? I think it was around yeah. July. Yeah. Yeah. I can't quite remember now, but it might've been end of June or July. Yeah, and so it's like, we went into this experiment without like, I don't know, a clear outcome necessarily. It was just like, we're going to go all in and making these changes in our energy and all of this stuff. And then like, we just know that something's going to happen, but it wasn't like this has to happen by this date. It was just like, this is going to happen. So I think that yeah. was really powerful. Yeah. And it definitely was shifts that we were making in our energy and who mm-hmm. we were being, not necessarily like, I'm going to do all of these things I'm going to do, do, do. No, gonna, none of this you stuff know, was like, like business mechanical It wasn't like, I'm going to post on Instagram no. for my business or I'm going to whatever. It was just like, no, we're going to get our energy in check. And from there, like that's where the alignment comes from. And that's where the good stuff comes from. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Okay. So for anyone who just quickly, like I, there are so many things out there on human design now and people can learn about it really easily, but just for anyone, the cliff notes on what human design is in case someone who's listening just doesn't. Yeah. So if you're new to human design, it's essentially a system to have awareness of yourself, to learn about yourself. And it's a combination of a whole bunch of systems, including astrology, including the Hindu chakra system, including a Chinese system called the I Ching, um, some Kabbalah, some quantum physics. So it is a system that was channeled back in the late 80s, I believe. Um, So it's a fairly new system, although based off of all of these other ancient systems, for sure. So it is a little bit like magic from those systems, but I also find it's a little bit more grounded than astrology is per se. And not, again, to say that astrology isn't grounded, I think it's great, Um, but it makes it easier, I think, with human design to understand yourself and like what you need to do with the information instead of just understanding how you are. Um, That's really how I approach it. And so it gives you um, a way to get more connected with yourself. I like to call it the Google Maps to alignment because it's like when you're following your strategy and authority, which are the two main pieces of human design, it's like you will get back on track um, of where you're really designed to go in this lifetime. Mm-hmm. And so when people are learning about their human design, what do they, how do they figure out what their human yeah, design is? Yeah, so it's based is? off of your birth time, date, and location, similar to your birth chart is in astrology. And you can go to like mybodygraph.com. It's a popular one. Um, you know, if you just Google like free human design chart, you'll find somewhere that will bring it up. 
And it probably won't make any sense to you when you first get it. It's going to look a sort of like a torso with different shapes and lines and stuff over it. And you can check out my YouTube channel. Actually, I have a video about how to decipher that or what you're looking at if you're brand new to human design. Um, but from there, you really want to look at or pay attention to your um, strategy and your authority, essentially, your type strategy and authority. So those are the three main pieces that will help you understand that. And then from there, you can, you know, Google, you can look at stuff on Instagram, you can look at podcasts, and you'll find more information about your specific type strategy and authority. Yeah, so Katie's website, um, well, YouTube channel has lots of information. She also shares so much information on her Instagram. So if you're like, not caught up because I just don't feel like we need to go into the basics of what human design is. Like we're going to talk about some of the things, but I think in a more detailed, at a detailed level, just because. Um, yeah, there's, there's lots out there for information sure. on that already. So if you don't know what human design is, <laughs> press pause on the podcast, go to Katie's YouTube channel, do some, some research and then come back to this. Cause I want to get into strategy stuff. So you said that strategy and authority are like the two most important things, right? So can you tell us what strategy is? And then we'll yeah, jump so into strategy it. is essentially how you are designed to energetically work in the world with the least amount of resistance. And so there's five different types in human design or four, depending on who you ask, I say five. Um, and from there, each type has its own strategy. And it's really designed how you are, or it's about how you're designed to work with the least amount of resistance, with the most amount of ease to get to where you're designed to get in this lifetime. And so do you want me to go through the different strategies quickly? Uh, no, okay. I don't think so. Cause I have some questions. Yeah. So let's just kind of dive into it. And when I am talking, obviously I'm going to be asking questions based on my own type. I'm a manifesting mm -hmm. generator. So a lot of the stuff that I'm going to be talking about is probably going to like relate to me, but we'll try and keep it as well-rounded as possible. And you too, because we can talk about yours, but when it comes to strategy, I want to talk about the idea of waiting to respond. So is it in, are all of them except for manifestors? Do, do the rest wait to respond and manifest as other ones? That so initiate? yes and no. Technically, all of the types wait, okay. right? Like generating types. So whether you're a manifesting generator or just a regular generator, um, you're designed to wait to respond. Projectors are here to wait for the invitation. Reflectors wait a lunar cycle. And manifestors, I so I say this a little bit differently. The official manifestor strategy is to um, inform but I say that it's wait for the urge because manifestors aren't just here to like take action on anything that they feel like taking action on. It's like, what do you get the urge to do? And that's very different from just some like random idea. Like for example, for me with HD school, that was an urge that I had for a while to create this. And I kept ignoring it being like, no, no, I can't do this. Not yet. Um, not me. I'm not the one that should do this. But like the urge was like, you're doing this, like, come on, let's get started. And so as a manifester, I believe you're still waiting. You're just waiting for the urge, which is an internal thing. So it looks differently than the waiting, let's say, for the other types. Mm hmm. So with, let's talk about, I mean, they're all kind of waiting, but I want to talk about the ones, I guess it, it's going to relate to all of them, but a lot of people have trouble oh, yes, waiting. Oh, yes, so what, what is the deal with waiting? Like, what can you shed some light on there for waiting? Because I know for me, especially maybe 
everyone feels this way, but I think especially for business people, like waiting is like, we're told time is money. You know, if I'm not doing something, if I'm not moving in the direction of my goals, oh, what, I'm going to lose money. I'm not going to be as successful. How can we wait or what can you share that can help us like understand why waiting is useful? I think I'm like throwing so many things at you right now, <laughs> no, but I, I just it. like, I need you to tell me why I should wait and how well, I Well, first of better. all, your experience as a manifesting generator, like you have all this energy and all this power. So waiting, I think is especially difficult for MGs because it's like, I just want to go, 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 go. Right. Um, and I also really believe that one of the reasons it's so challenging is because we are very much like the doing the time is money, all this stuff. That's very much old paradigm. And that's really what we've been conditioned to believe that if I'm not doing something, I'm not worthwhile. I'm not productive. I'm not, you know, I'm missing out. And that's very much also like lack mentality or scarcity that if you're not doing something right now, you're missing out on something. It's like FOMO culture, right? That it's like, you have to be doing, you have to be doing, or you're going to miss out. And I really like to look at it a different way where I sort of imagine our energy field like a pie chart, let's say. And so if you imagine where your energy goes and where there's space in your energy. So it's like on any given day, are you at max capacity is a hundred percent of your energy being used, like doing, 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 or do you have space for new things to come in? And so the whole idea around waiting I believe goes hand in hand with this idea of having space because if you, so again, in this visualization of your energy as a pie chart, if you want some business growth and let's say this new thing that you're aiming for is going to take 20% of your energy, but you're filling up your energy. So you're at like 98% capacity that if you imagine it like a little Pac-Man pie slice kind of thing, that 20% new venture isn't going to fit into the 2% that you have available but you're like, time is money, gotta be doing. And this really amazing opportunity is like energetically out there for you, but you don't have this space for it in your life because you're not willing to wait. And so that's one of the ways that I look at it is having a little bit of trust and a little bit of faith and having the capacity to surrender that good things are out there and that the or the energy of the universe, however you wanna look at it, is infinitely wiser than we are on our own. And also it can see far, far more, far greater beyond, I don't know how to say it. Um, it can see further down our path than we can. So it's like, we think we have to do all these things right now when it's like, actually, if you don't commit to doing this one thing. So again, in this idea of waiting in this pie chart, let's say you do have 20% available in your energy, but you're like, oh, I got to do this thing. So I should do this. And that now takes 10% of your energy. And like, there was this really incredible thing that was going to come into your awareness tomorrow, but now it's not because you're, you only have 10% of your energy available as opposed to having that 20% chunk that needs to happen. And so it really comes, I think, from this need for us to be in control of everything. And I get it. I feel like I was there for a lot of my life and a lot of my life was kind of crap, to be honest. And so I think that's really why with, when it comes to human design, I invite people to experiment with their design and to experiment with their strategy and to just like give it a couple weeks, try the whole waiting to respond thing, see what happens. Is it good? Does it work for you? And in my experience in the human design world, it does. Or is it like, no, nothing happened. 
I'm going to go back to doing what I was doing. And if you're doing what you're doing and it works, cool, keep it up. But if you're not, if you're frustrated, if you're not where you want to be, if you're exhausted, if you're burnt out, then like maybe give it a try. And so this whole idea of waiting is like the capacity to have some trust, to have some faith that like good things are coming to come from more of a mindset of like abundance and possibility as opposed to like, I'm going to be missing out. Time is money. If I'm not doing that, I'm losing out on this, you know? Mm -hmm. So as a manifesting generator, sorry for everyone listening. I'm like (laughs) losing my words today. I like haven't really been able to speak properly, but as a manifesting generator, my thing is to wait to respond. So what does that look like for me? Yeah. So when you have some sort of idea, let's say that you want to create, instead of just deciding to go out and make it happen, the path of least resistance is to wait to respond. And I want to emphasize the whole path of least resistance because it's not that you can't do it. It's not that you can't do things by force, like look around in the world everyone's doing, not everyone, but I mean, a lot of people are doing things through force, right? And a lot of people are burnt out and sick and miserable. Um, But the whole idea of like, okay, so you have this idea, you want to create this new product, this new program, this whatever, instead of like immediately moving into action and getting stuff done, take a minute, just like take a breather, wait, wait for a few days, wait for a week, whatever. But it's like, give yourself time And trust that if that is the right thing for you to be doing, then it will come back into your awareness for something for you to respond to. And so maybe that's going to be someone sending you a DM on Instagram and being like, hey, Brooke, do you offer like blah, blah, blah? And you're like, oh, yes, I do. Um, Because that was like, let's say the exact idea that you were thinking about, or maybe you overhear a conversation of people talking about it and you're like, "Uh uh-huh, this is exactly what I want. It's a yes for me. Um, And especially with generating types, it's like the waiting is essentially so that you can connect with your sacral and your sacral is what makes generators generators. Um, And so it's like, if you're just responding to things inside of your own head or your own ideas, your sacral isn't going to be clear when it's internal. It's like your sacral responds to things outside of you. So it's really about giving yourself that chance for something to come in your external reality, whether you hear something on a podcast, whether someone asks you a question, whether it's, I don't know, an Instagram ad that comes up, it doesn't matter. It just needs to be outside of your reality. So your sacral can then be like, Ooh, yes, this lights me up. I want to do this. Or like, "Mm, no, maybe this isn't actually the thing, or maybe it's not the time, you know? Mm -hmm. I think that like really clarified things for me right there. So I can, and I've done a lot of research on human design and we talked about it a lot and you've done readings for me. I just feel like every now and then I kind of like I kind of forget things or because my head is getting in the way and I fall off the path. So I need these reminders. But what you're saying is the waiting to respond. I don't have to wait for only things externally. I can have ideas and then have the idea, but not respond to that. And then wait for the thing externally, as opposed to only like for me, I think I thought, that things had to come from the external Mm. only if I had an idea I was like well I had the idea about it that's not it I gotta wait for someone to almost like hand it to me kind of wait to respond yeah it's like you can anything outside of you and and it again it's just kind of that confirmation it's 
that like that universe being like, Hey, you're on the right track. Is this still what you want? And you're like, Ooh, yes, it is. This is good. Mm -hmm. Let's do this thing. Um, yeah. So it's just kind of that confirmation that you can take the step forward with, or it's that confirmation. And you're like, "Mm, no, like it sounded good in my head, but now that it's out there, not into it, you know? And let's talk about for other people to get a little bit more of a well-rounded idea of this for another type what does the waiting look like? Maybe for projectors, they wait to be invited. Yeah, so with right? projectors, it's um, it's more of a, generally speaking, it's a little bit more of a lengthy wait. And projectors are really here to be recognized. And so, and this goes for generate, this goes for all types, honestly. It's like, while you're waiting, do what feels good to you. So for you, while you're waiting for something to respond to, do the other things that you like, you know, make your tofu, sew your dresses, <laughs> um, but it's like, do the things that are fun that you like to do. And then it's like, with that energy of the good things, the, the other opportunities will come in your case for you to respond to. And in the projector, they'll come through invitations. And so projectors, I really like to look at projectors as people who are designed to like, maybe build isn't the right word, but like build it and they will come. So as a projector, let's say you want to be an author, don't just sit on your couch all day waiting for someone to come and knock on your door and invite you into like a publication deal. No, you need to be writing. You need to be doing the things that you love. If you really love writing, you'll be writing Instagram posts or writing blog posts or self-publishing books, like do the things. It's just like, it's not about aggressively pursuing things and selling yourself to other people as a projector. It's like allowing I was actually doing readings for projectors today. And I like this idea of projectors being like a lighthouse where it's like the boats are designed to come to you. So those are the invitations. Your job is to keep the light on and to keep it shining bright. So it's like, if you want people to recognize you and offer you a book deal, you need to work on your craft of writing. You need to write as if that's truly what lights you up. And that's what you want to share with the world. Amazing. Do that. And when it comes from that place of like, integrity and enjoyment and love and light people will recognize you for that but there's very much a fine line with projectors of like you need to be doing things because you want to do them if you're doing things to get recognition it backfires and it doesn't work so it like it needs to be that kind of like innocent um enjoyment or interest in something not to get to some sort of an end game even though the end game will come when you're in that alignment and so for for projectors the waiting is just a little bit different because they're waiting for more clear invitations of someone like literally inviting them into something or like inviting them to be on a podcast or asking them to share something with their meeting at work or whatever it is. It's generally a little bit more of a clear invitation. And there's also like a school of thought around energetic invitations for projectors, but that's something I usually uh, talk about to people who are a little bit further along in their experiments where especially at the beginning, it's really helpful to just like, I'm just going to do my thing. And I'm going to wait for the like very clear invitations to come. And then those are the things again, that are meant for you. And so it might not come as fast as you want it to, or there might not be as many as you want it to, but it's like, would you rather have like, I don't know, a few like really amazing relationships that came to you? Or would you rather go on like 50 Tinder dates a week with people that suck and drain your energy? 
I mean, to each their own, right? So it's like, to me, that's kind of the projector that's like trying to go on like 50 Tinder dates being like, I'll find someone eventually, but really they're just bitter and tired and angry. And then by the time the right people are there, the right people don't match with them anymore because they're like, ooh, that person is not happy. (laughs) (laughs) I like the analogy that you gave about the, Mm -hmm. the lighthouse. I think that one really helps to understand for me anyway, I'm not a projector, but for me to understand what it's like for them to wait for the invitation and to like be a really bright light so that the boats and invitations can find you. I think that is super clear. Um, Katie also has the best analogies (laughs) for everyone listening in case you can't tell she's like so good at breaking it down. I think this uh, brings us nicely to talking about Mm -hmm. authority. So can you tell us what Yeah, so is? authority is essentially how you're designed to make decisions. So strategy, which what we, what we were just talking about is how you really move through things. And then once you have that strategy, so once you get something to respond to, once you receive the invitation, what do you do with that? Do you say yes? Do you say no? How do you make this decision, right? And so authority is really that. And I remember when I first learned about authority. So I'm an emotional authority, 50% of the world is emotional. So it's the most common one. Brooke, are you emotional? I forget. Sacral? I mean, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Or, mm. um, so 50% of the world has emotional authority, which essentially just means that you're designed to make decisions from a place of emotional clarity. So if you're really high up or if you're really low down, like don't make a decision from there. And when I first learned that, I was like, what? kind of crap is this? That's not useful at all. Like, cool. I just need to wait to make decisions. Great. Um, However, I have since (laughs) done a lot of reflection and realized looking back all the spontaneous decisions I made that were like absolute garbage for my life. And you know what? Everything got me to where I am. So it's totally fine. But I see how much like difficulty or how much pain I likely could have avoided had I not felt the need to make spontaneous decisions because I thought that's how I was supposed to make a decision. And because I didn't understand what clarity felt like for me and I didn't trust that like neutrality that you generally have with emotional authority. Um, So yeah, it's been such a game changer for me to really make good decisions and clear decisions as opposed to ones that were just creating disasters in my life. So yeah, authority is how you're designed to make Mm -hmm. decisions. And something that I've read is that the mind, I wrote it down, the mind is not for decision-making. Does this apply to all types? So there are all of the authorities, like your mind is not the authority for you. It's never the authority. Even if you have a quote unquote mental authority, um, there's an authority that some projectors have that some people call a mental, some people call environmental, some people call a sounding board. Um, but the idea is not that your mind makes decisions. And so again, going back to my like random analogies, I, human design went through this transition in the 1700s while starting in the 1500s, but in the 1700s, we developed these new centers and this new sort of awareness in terms of our authority. And so I imagine that pre 1700s, our mind was kind of at its like Zenith. It was like, it, it, was the best that it was going to, not the best it was going to be, but it was, you know, more reliable in terms of decisions at that time. And so our mind, I imagine it is like this horse and buggy driver, and it thinks it's the best driver in the world. And at the time it was, but we have since evolved, you know, our machines have evolved. We are now driving cars. And if you brought someone from the 1700s and like plonked them downtown in the middle of Toronto or in the middle of a highway with a car, they wouldn't know what the heck to do. 
And so I kind of look at it like that, where it's like, you know, give the mind the respect it deserves. It's a great tool that we have. And it is not great at making decisions. It's great at rationalizing things. It's great at thinking of pros and cons and imagining all these different scenarios, but it doesn't provide us with clarity when it comes to decisions, the way that our authority, which is really generally based in our body can do. And so it's like, again, do you want to be that, you know, 1700s horse and buggy driver trying to drive a car when it has no idea what a car is. It's never seen it before, but it's still trying to pretend like it's in control. And so that's kind of what I think about with the mind when it comes to making decisions. And another thing I think is really cool is this idea around like mental anxiety with decisions, where if you make a decision based on your mind is it creates a lot of anxiety because it's all of this, like, oh, I should have done this, or I should have done that. Or it's like, maybe I didn't think of this, or maybe I should have thought of this first versus the decisions in your body or your authority decisions. It's just kind of like, that's just what the decision was. And the, one of the challenges I think with authority is that we don't necessarily know why our authority is telling us yes or no. You know, there's not the rationale or the explanation like there is with our mind. So again, there's that need to build trust with this that I recommend comes through experimentation because going back to that example of like, your energy being a pie chart. So it's like, if there's something really cool that you come across, let's say that you do respond to, like, let's say you have this idea for something cool, Brooke, and then it comes to you in your outer reality for you to respond to. And your sacral is like, uh, uh-uh. and you're like, what the heck are you talking about? This is exactly what I wanted. What do you mean? Uh, uh-uh, right. Because it's like our energy again, knows more than we do. It has more of a perspective than we do because it knows this is an uh-uh because tomorrow something so much better is going to come your way. And if you say yes to this, if you commit your energy to this, this is no longer an option for you. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think that's a really good point that you bring up there is that just because your the invitation comes or the thing to respond to comes, it doesn't mean that it is an automatic yes, just because you've waited to respond and the thing came to you. It's like the, you had the idea, you responded to something in your external reality. It's there. Now, what are you going to do? What decision? It doesn't have to be a yes. It can still be yeah. a no. That's a really, a really good yeah. point there. Um, so for me, my, oh, I keep, my authority is... <laughs> This is my like missing words today. My authority is the sacral and this is mm-hmm, or. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another way that I often talk right? about the sacral authority, especially for manifesting generators. And I'm just pulling up your chart because I think um, you have one of the channels that I am about to mention. Oh no, you don't. Um, okay. So especially with manifesting generators is often it shows up for people as like a feeling in their body of like a moving towards something as a uh-huh or a moving away as an uh-uh. So it's not always that clear yes or no. And for manifesting generators, especially if you have the 3420 channel, it often is just like the first thing that comes out of your mouth. So it might not be like the sacral sounds like is often taught in human design with the uh-huh and uh-uh. It might just be like a yep or like a ooh, you know, it's like it could be different things, but it's this general idea of like this like expansion of like, yes, this lights me up or this contraction of like, no, this isn't right for me. Right, right. Okay. And let's give one of the other types a bit of a... um 
a go here. So what's another type that you can share a little bit about there? Yeah. Um, so authority? the other, so the three most common authorities are the emotional authority, the sacral authority, or the splenic authority. And so I'll talk about the splenic because I actually find that this is the one that people have the most difficulty connecting to often. And the splenic, you know, only about 10% of the population has this as an authority. So it's not super common. And at its like very base level, the spleen is your intuition. And it's something that's generally quick and quiet, where, again, it's not going to explain its reasoning. It's just going to tell you, like, do this thing or talk to this person or go to this place. It doesn't tell you why. And the spleen is always in the moment. So it might tell you like right now, like do this thing. And then you don't do it. And 10 minutes later you do it. And you're like, that was a disaster. Why did you tell me to do that? Well, cause you didn't do it in the moment. And so it's kind of tricky with the spleen because it's very much always in the moment. And it's always there to really keep you safe. Like the spleen is all about your instincts. It's all about survival. And so your splenic authority is always about what is best for you right now in the moment. And again, with my random analogies and things, I think one of the challenges people have with the splenic authority is that they have likely, for most people, not everyone, have spent a lifetime ignoring their intuition. And so if you ever had the experience when you're with a group of people and you're like trying to tell a story and you're like, this what? And then people talk over you and you're like, this what? And then people talk over you. And then it's like, it happens like three times and you're just like, never mind. I'm not going to tell the story anymore. And people are like, no, come on, tell the story. And you're like, no, I'm over it. I'm not telling the story. Right. And I feel like it's like that a little bit with your spleen, where it's like, if you have a lifetime of ignoring your spleen and not listening to it, and I mean, your spleen isn't spiteful, it's not intentionally doing this, but it's just like, you're so disconnected from it. It's like, you know, some random noise you hear in the background all the time and you you just tune it out. You don't even realize it's there. And for a lot of people, that's their spleen, if that's their authority, because it's just always been there and they've almost always, always ignored it because it doesn't make sense because it doesn't. Um, it's not logical. It's not rational. And so it's like, why would I do this thing? Why would I talk to this person? Why would I go to this place? And the spleen doesn't have an answer for you. You just have to experiment and trust it. And so if you haven't done that throughout your entire life, like most of us haven't, it takes some time to rebuild that connection and to really hear something that you've been ignoring for so long. Mm -hmm. So for... The decision-making process, how do we know, or can you shed any light on how we know if we're making a decision from our authority or if we're doing it from our, I mean, and it might be different for like the different authority types, but is there a way to know if you're doing it from your authority or from fear or from your mind? Yeah, so I generally, people generally make decisions from to places that aren't their authority from their mind or from fear or like fear informed, let's say. And so I find that your authority, one doesn't provide you with an explanation. It's like, it just is. It's like, yep, this feels good. And you can rationalize why it feels good or why it feels bad, but, but it's like, it's a different energy behind the rationalization. So it's just like, Ooh, this thing. And then it's like, oh, yeah, that would be nice. And I could whatever. Whereas the mind aspect of it is like, okay, well, if I do this thing, then this thing's going to happen. And if I do this, then like this is going to work out. And then the next thing is going to be this. And then after that, it can be this. And so if I do this, but then if I don't do this, then it's going to be this thing. And so the mind is very like, I probably look like I'm nuts while I'm talking about this. 
That sounds totally. like my head for anyone wondering Same. what goes on in my yeah. head. It's that. And I think that's really a common experience for all of the minds because the mind is just like this jabbery little chatterbox. And so that was a really clear distinction for me of like, oh, that's the mind, you know, when it's like, oh, this thing. And if I do this thing, and if I do that thing, and if I don't do this. Blah, 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 blah. And it's very repetitive and it's very loud. And so it's easy to listen to the mind because it's really like in your, I mean, not in your face, but it's like, it takes up a lot of energy. It takes up a lot of your awareness. And then the other aspect is your fear. So your fear is like, oh, but if I do this thing, then like, what if this thing happened? And this bad thing happens and like, what if this? And so it's still similar to the mind in the sense of like this, like doomsday, like this bad thing could happen and this bad thing could happen. And like, what if I did this and this bad thing? It's like, stop, you know, like, especially as people who have the potential to create our own experience, stop creating that, you know, it's just like, there's two, there's two kind of expressions of the energy of the fear energies in the spleen. And you can choose to buy into that low expression. And, you know, again, with appreciation for our fear, because it's allowed us to survive and to be the humans that we are today, but it's just not a reliable place to make decisions from. Right. And the, the authority is really designed to be that. And it, again, it's not loud. It's, I mean, it, it might be loud in the sense of your sacral of like, uh-huh, <laughs> um, but it's not going to be super repetitive. It's not going to offer explanation. It just is. And that's where it's like, there's a little bit of taking that leap of faith to trust these things. And I often, you know, encourage people to take some time experimenting with smaller things or to keep a note on your phone or a journal of decisions that you make of like the times that you choose to follow your authority and the times where you're like, that was just too out there. I'm not at that level of trust yet. Okay. Like maybe in the future, but you can track and see the decisions you make and like what your authority is telling you as you're like actively trying to tune into that. And like, does, how did that decision work out for you essentially? Mm-hmm. I think what you just said there about the mind, like the difference that it's the mind is just like mm-hmm. that chatterbox. Even just since you said that I had, I was able to shut that up for a moment and like connect a bit more to my body. And I felt like I felt yeah. peaceful for a moment, <laughs> just knowing that that's just my mind being a chatterbox and I don't have to make a decision from that place that I shouldn't probably make a decision from that place because it never feels good when we make a decision, when our head is just like, well, for me, it never feels good when I make a decision, when my head is just chattering all over the place, telling me all the things that could go wrong, trying to figure out if I do this, then this, then this, then this, and this will happen. And then I'll go this. But what if like, I never feel good when I make a decision from that place. Totally. never. And that's where that whole idea of like the mental anxiety after the decision, it's like, how do you feel good about a decision made from that place? You don't right? Because there's always the what if, like, well, what if I did this? Whereas when you learn to trust the authority of your body, it's just like, this is just what it was. Why it told me to do that? I don't know. Maybe it like, even if it causes a challenge, it's like, maybe that challenge is there for a purpose. Maybe there's a reason that I needed to, I don't know, my car needed to break down or whatever, right? But it's just, I I think there's a bigger conversation around like learning to trust and not having to be so in control of the outcome all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think that's one of the most important things for me is remembering to make decisions 
from my yeah. authority rather than my head. It's a practice. You seem to be it's good a at practice. it. You know, it really is. And like, it, it probably took me a solid year, I would say, before I really got it with the emotional authority. And I think actually last June was when those things really clicked in. And there was two instances for me. So one was this apartment. And I was in this like very strange scenario and very lucky scenario post COVID starting where I moved in with my boyfriend and, you know, we were both trying to run our businesses in like a 600 square foot condo, which was not ideal because we both essentially talk for a living and his ex-girlfriend's mom, my boyfriend's on good terms with like every person he's ever dated, but his ex-girlfriend's mom had this condo that she wasn't going to be in, but had plants that needed to be watered. So I would go to this condo and water her plants and work from there for the day. And it was totally fine. We paid their internet bill, whatever. It was like such a dream to have this place to work from during all of this. And then she eventually decided to move out. And so there was this opportunity to take over the condo and to live there. And for Toronto, it was super cheap. It was really big. And in my mind, it was like, I have to take this. Like, I'm never going to find another place that's this cheap and this big in Toronto. I would be crazy not to take it. And I was so close to being like, yes, I'll take it. Knowing that I have an emotional authority and I need to wait to make decisions. And there was no rush to actually make the decision that day. And so it's like, let's just wait. And so the next day, as I was walking over to my office in this place, um, I was just like, I hate this neighborhood. I hate it. I hate the energy here. I hate it so much. And it's like, I don't want to live here. Like this would suck. I would hate living here. And so it's just like, "Mm, right. That's the clarity that I needed to be like, it's a no. I don't want to live in this place. Even though my mind was like, what? But it's so cheap. You're never going to find a place in Toronto. And it's just like, I don't care. It's not the right place for me, you know? Um, And then the other one was with HD school. So another little sort of, I don't know if this is a hack, but a piece of information I feel like people don't often talk about with the emotional authority is that often the reason you need to wait is because more information will be revealed to you. And so for me with HG school, that day in the park, we were talking about creating everything. I was like gung ho, ready to launch it like that night to start working on it. And I was like, you know what? Again, I know that I need to wait. So let's just wait and see how things feel tomorrow. And I got this email from a podcast that I don't listen to anymore. I don't know. It's about um, online marketing. So it's just not something I really am that interested in these days. I don't know how I'm still on their email list. I haven't gotten an email from them in years. And I was like, oh yeah, I used to really like that podcast. Like maybe I'll check it out and see um, what she's talking about. I haven't listened to it for so long. And so the next morning I listened to this podcast and it was all about launching and it completely changed the way that I launched HG school for the better. And so again, this trust of like with your authority, giving yourself time to get it in your bones, to understand it but to build trust with it over time where it's like, you'll have these experiences where you're like, Oh, like I get it now. I understand. And again, to just give yourself time to experiment with that. Like if you have a lifetime of, or like decades of not making decisions this way, you can't necessarily expect yourself to immediately get it. And you might, but like give yourself the space and compassion to have a different experience with it. And the other thing I think is really around this idea of like embodiment and like being in your body. And that's something that I still work on because it's something I really resisted. And I know for so many women, humans in this world, 
is that it doesn't feel safe to be in our bodies. So we stay in our heads and we think about things because we don't want to feel the feelings and we don't want to deal with what's there. And that's where our wisdom really is, especially with our authority. And so it's learning to connect to that and to be in your body. That's something that I'm really, really learning is being in my body and doing things, practices that help me. Breath work really helps me do that. And something that I noticed, like the, the reason that I noticed that connecting to my body is so important is because I have a lot of trouble sleeping at night because my brain doesn't shut up. And without a doubt, the thing that helps me the most is when I'm lying in bed and my brain is just chattering, chattering, chattering. If I have that moment of realization of like, oh, I'm in my head, I'm going to connect to my body. And then I go through and I feel the tingling in my fingers, the tingling in my feet. And I run through all the sensations that my body can feel. I don't sleep so easily. Uh, It's it. And that was the thing, like figuring that out was like, oh, okay. Connecting to my body. I need to do that more. Um, so I need to do that more when it comes to making decisions. Yeah. And there's something that I think is really beautiful in human design. So if you have your human design chart, or if you're familiar with the gates in human design, there's 64 gates and these are based on a Chinese system called the I Ching. And so we have these energies highlighted, you know, probably somewhere between 17 to like 23 of them in our own charts. Um, maybe one below or one higher. Um, that's just generally what I see. But the gates are also archetypes and they teach us about humanity regardless of whether we have this energy in our chart or not. And so the gate 46, which is really this idea of like the love of body, it also essentially is about serendipity and around like luck and fortunate things happening to us. And so there's this idea with it that like being in your body is the luckiest place to be. It's the most fortunate place to be. Like being in your body is always the right place to be for the right things to happen at the right time. And so it's like, again, this experience of serendipity is only going to happen when you're in your body. And I think, again, so many of us have challenges with that, but I really think it's so beautiful, this idea that like the luckiest place to be is in our body. Mm -hmm. And kind of thinking about it from a spiritual perspective, we didn't it doesn't seem to me like we would come here to be a mind. We came here with physical bodies to experience yeah. physical bodies and what they can bring yeah, to us. Yeah, I think that's so, just kind of. And I think that makes so much head. sense. Like, why would we have these bodies if we weren't supposed to be in them? <laughs> you know. So uh, we have covered so much ground. We have talked about so many things. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Uh, I have a lot to to process as I do every time we do a reading, every time we talk about human design stuff, every time it's just processing. And I think it's a remembering thing. You're, you know, you teach this thing. So I, I, you know, it's probably easier for you to remember. I just need to remind myself of this, this kind of stuff and, and let myself experiment with it, try it out. Actually, one of the things that I was thinking as I was getting ready for this podcast was like, I want to do an experiment, a challenge, 30 days of living by my strategy and my authority. And like, just seeing what happens, just experiment, you know, why not? Yeah. And that's really what I did. Like, so in when we went with that, like June, like going all in experiment, like I was pretty living my human design at that time. But I was like, all in, like, if I'm not getting the urges, I'm not doing things like big things, you know, and giving myself the space to really get them as a manifester. Like if you're not resting, if you don't have time for play, you don't have the space for the urges to come through. And it has made 
such a massive difference in my life. And my life is just so much easier now. And sometimes I feel like an asshole for saying that, that like, you know, there's so much attachment to this idea of like, things should be a struggle. They're not. And that's, again, the idea with human design is like the path of least resistance is how you're generally going to operate when you're aligned with your design. And it's just like, so nice. (laughs) I know. I love, I mean, I've been able to tell a huge difference in you since June and I can see it all the time. So I'm grateful for you and for our friendship and thank you so much for being on the podcast and sharing all your knowledge and uh, yeah. For anyone who wants to learn more about you and HD school, where can they find you? Yeah. So you can find me on Instagram. I'm at sort of spiritual. There's like periods in between the words, but if you just search sort of spiritual, you'll find me. Um, And that's my website as well. And I forget what my YouTube channel link is. I think it's Katie sort of spiritual because it wouldn't let me just choose sort of spiritual. Okay. And I'll put everything in the description. So for people who are listening, I'll put all the links in there as well. Thank you so much for spending so much time with us. I appreciate you. I appreciate you.